God, praise God, praise God, praise God. What a great spirit's in the house of the Lord tonight. The presence of God is here. What I like is when the presence of God is here and the church lets their presence mingle with Him. I believe that there's two entities that always come to church. One is God. The other is the anti-God. Whose side you on? Let me put it in street language to you. Who's your daddy? Well, your body language tells me a different story than what your mouth is saying. Delighted to be here, and um, he, he, he about 10 minutes ago turned to me and said, you know, you can just take it. I turned to Brother Fishburne Sr., and I said, a young man should never turn a service like this to an older man. <laughs> and he said something about, unless God, and I said, yeah, or God takes over the old man's body. I know you can keep up with my slow pace, but I don't know if I can keep up with that pace. And, and since a little health situation about 16 years ago, I don't have quite the high level of voice even, so I thank God for the thumper. Man, I can do the thumper, baby. I can. Woo! What you talk about? Come on, baby. Hey, devil, how you like me now? Hey, hell, you can't touch this. Yeah, yeah, but um, honor to your fine pastor, Richard Fishburne. Honor to his precious wife, sister, Brittany Fishburne, and their children, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Selah. Sweet, precious children that love God. Amen. And I appreciate all the meals, hospitality, accommodations, and greatest of all, the invitation. And then they let me come. They didn't only invite me, they let me come. <laughs> Hallelujah. And here I am. So I, I, I want to give honor to them and honor to you as the church, Christian Life Tabernacle. God bless you for being who you are. Just let me plead for Jesus. Let's become more. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to become more. Amen. Well, preacher, what does that mean? I'm not sure. You get in connection with Jesus Christ and he'll tell you. In Jesus' name, what more is. Amen. Honor to Elder Fishburne. I bless you. Brother Pinkerton, I bless you. Brother Acosta, so good to see you again tonight, sir. You are a glutton for punishment. Two and a half hours yesterday. and Caught his breath this morning, this afternoon. Now here he is back for some more. I love you, sir. Appreciate the work you're doing. This good wife, God bless you. Good to see you. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 2. The Lord wants to lift your faith tonight. 
The disciples looked at Jesus one day and said, Jesus, increase our faith. Would, would you do this for yourself? For his glory, would you close both your eyes? Don't bow your head. Just want you lift your head towards the heaven. Forget the ceiling towards the heaven. And lift both your hands with your palms turned inward. And say, Lord, increase my faith tonight out of your word. Increase my faith tonight, Lord, out of your word. Deuteronomy chapter number 2, verse number 7. The book of Deuteronomy is kind of like a summary of the children of Israel's exodus out of Egypt. In the book of Exodus, then their trek through 40 years in the wilderness, which they were not supposed to do. Now Moses is on his last leg of his journey. God's told him, you don't get to go into the promised land, but I'm going to let you see it, and then I'm going to take you home. Then I'm going to install Joshua, and I'm going to have you put your spirit on him. So he's kind of now in the book of Deuteronomy, reminding them, yes, and reiterating some of the law. It's kind of like a summary. And he said, The Lord God, Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. These forty years the Lord thy God hath been with thee. Watch these last four words. Thou hast lacked nothing. We're too quick sometimes as good Americans to complain about what we don't have. And we're very short, I'm not criticizing this, we're very short on thanking Him for what He has supplied. And, and uh, you know, I, I feel some, I don't mean in terms of aisle running, pew jumping, biting the ceiling, but I feel some wild Holy Ghost faith in the room. It's almost like I hear a thunder in the room that says, Bring it on, God! Bring it on! Anybody wants something you've never had before, you've never experienced, you've never asked for it, you never thought about it. Now unto Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly, Ephesians 3 and 20, exceeding abundantly above all you can ask james says you have not because you ask not you hem haul around hem haul answers or prayers get hem haul answers specific prayers get specific answers from god and he said according to the power that worketh in you, even what you can think. Would, would you close your eyes again and take one finger and point it at your brain? What can you think God can do? 
What do you feel like God can do? What do you believe God can do? Most of us think this American way. Well, he can't do this, this, or this. He can't do that, that, or that. Why don't we grow up a little bit tonight into the faith we have in Jesus' name and just say, okay, God, you write the check. And here we go. So I want to preach for just a little while, and I, I sure hope it's a little while because, wow, y'all wore me out this morning. I just want to preach, and this is my title, Just When You Think God Can't. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Well, I'm just not sure, Bishop. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Well, you know, I've been doing it for 30 seconds, and he hasn't answered yet. Get up, get up, get up, get up. Well... You know, you know, you know, you know, you know, that's preacher talk. No, get up, get up, get up, get up out. Well, I'm not sure. Well, you don't have to be sure. He's sure. It doesn't depend on you or me. So you can be seated and we'll just see what we can mumble around with here and See if we can make sense of this now that I've thrown it out there. Just when you think God can't. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because some of you would be too embarrassed. If some of you just flat out lie, you wouldn't raise your hand. Did you ever got to the place you just thought God just... Not only that he wasn't going to, he just, apparently he just can't. Well, don't fool yourself. There's people sitting in this auditorium have come to that conclusion. That's the reason they're stuck where they are. You, you've probably heard some of this before, but let me, let me kind of break the ice and draw you into this sermon with me, into this message. When you think God can't use you, then just stop and think about, this Abraham was too old to have a child Isaac was a daydreamer Jacob was a liar and a deceiver Leah was not good looking at all Joseph was abused Moses had a stuttering problem Gideon was a scaredy cat Jeremiah and Timothy were way too young to do what they were doing David had a ultra Hang-ups. He was hang-up on hang-up. Jonah ran away from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Jesus Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too zealous for the wrong religious beliefs. And Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. And God still used him. Just when you think God can't. God got ticked off in Israel. He said, you have limited the Holy One. I believe with all of my being that God can do anything but fail. 
You may see that God likes taking the impossible and turning it around. God specializes in taking the unbelievable and make it believable. God takes the unmakeable, and then as the waymaker, He makes the unmakeable makeable. Would you shout amen? Just when you think God can't, He comes through all over again. How great, how great, how great, how great, how great, how great. Is there anything too hard for our God? I, I speak this to you in faith. God is very interested and very involved in His people succeeding and being successes and being successful. God wants your business to succeed. As our pastor just told our church a week ago, he said, get something in your life that God can bless. Five years ago, Brother Robert Brantley lost his job at a, at a deli. He was the general manager and it was too expensive for the, for the manager, the owner to keep both. And he went out and started a home appliance repair business. In five years, he went from himself to now over 12 employees, two secretaries and making way over a million dollars a year in five years. Get something that God can bless. God can't bless you saying, well, I can't. God can't bless when I don't know how. God can't bless. You see, in Deuteronomy, as you see, didn't Moses is reiterating to Israel prior to his departure from them. He's, he's reiterating what has already happened. And just one quick verse. I don't think you have this in Brother Stratton, but Deuteronomy chapter number four. You would post that. I want them to look at this. This is, this is, uh, and it's what I shared the other night at our fellowship. And, and, uh, verse number 32 of Deuteronomy chapter four. Moses is telling Israel now, for ask now of the days that are past, which were before you. Since the day that God, listen to him, he's, he, he's encouraging. It sounds like he's gentle, but he's encouraging. Since the day that God created man upon the earth, ask from one side of heaven to the other side of heaven. He's not talking about the city of heaven. He's talking about the heaven. They tell us that our universe it's 19 billion light years away from our closest universe like us. 19 billion light years. That's 187,000 miles per second that light travels. Boy, that's a buku. And God is saying, okay, get on one side of heaven and start asking from this side of heaven to the other side of heaven and ask. Whether there has ever been any such thing as this great thing is or hath been heard like what I've done to you and for you to the point that you haven't lacked anything. Go ahead and read. Not, we're not going to read it right now, but go ahead and read on through verse number 39. Not right now. Listen to me preach. But, but that's what Moses is telling him. Look at, look at Deuteronomy verse number one, or chapter two, verse number one. And he said, then we turned and we, and we took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. 
Verse 2, And the Lord spake unto me, saying, Ye have come past this mountain long enough, turn northward, and commanded thou the people, saying, you, you are to pass through the coast of your brethren, the children of Esau, but you're not supposed to mess with them, because I've given them this land. Verse 7, For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through the great wilderness, and thou these forty years, and the Lord thy God hath been with thee, and thou hast lacked nothing. That's our text. I'm telling you, CLT, you have lacked nothing. Quit complaining about what you don't have and get your eyes on what you do have. You have the power of repentance. You have the cleansing of waters of baptism. You have the greatest thing, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for it. Come on, let's thank God for repentance. Let's thank God for His Word. You may see it, Deuteronomy 8 and 2, and thou shalt remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. God needs us to remember how he treats us with his gracious care. Not what we don't have, but what we have been given. How he has led us, has fed us, has supplied all our needs. Then in verse 4 he said, Thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. If I can introduce it to you this way, their shoes didn't have to be replaced. As they grew from a three and a half to a four and a half, the shoe grew. Well, preacher, I don't believe that. Well, then you're serving a God that can't. I said, my God can do anything. There's nothing impossible with God. That's why we're sucking on the same bottle that we sucked on 35 years ago. God wants us to spit that out. Deuteronomy 29 and 5. And I, Moses have led you 40 years in the wilderness and your clothes are not, he repeats it to them again. Your clothes haven't waxed old and your shoe has not waxed old. Did you hear what he said? Your shoe has not waxed old. So you didn't have to replace your floor shines or your Allen Edmonds. Had Moses tried to figure out how and all that would be needed to accomplish God's will and fulfill God's commandment of leading three million Jews out of Egypt to a promised land. Considering the following with me, what he would have needed to get the job accomplished. is Moses had planned this journey all out from the beginning to the end, what would it have required to accomplish this feat? It would have required one of the greatest mathematical miracles in the world. Leading three to three and a half million, some say, people is one thing all by itself. But how do you take care of them? Let me just say for 40 years. But supplying their every need was a whole other story for God. According to a certain quartermaster, general in the army, I don't know what his reasoning was for figuring all this up. I don't have a clue. Maybe he was being a smart aleck. Maybe he was being an agnostic jerk. 
Maybe he was being an atheistic nincompoop. That's just a notch above stupid. The first thing that Moses would have needed for Israel to get through the Red Sea in one single night, that's the first thing they needed. Consider this. If they crossed the Red Sea, Isaiah, come out here. Stand shoulder to shoulder. If they'd have crossed through the Red Sea two by two, if I say two by two, now just think about it with me now. Double file all the way, three to three and a half million Jews. As far as the naked or unnaked eye could see. <laughs> the line would have been 800 miles long. It would have required 35 days and 35 nights for three to three and a half million Jews to get through walking side by side. Stay right there. Therefore, there had to be a space in the Red Sea three miles wide so that Israel could walk 5,000 abreast, shoulder to shoulder, to get over in one single night. And ladies and gentlemen, we have just started the trek. Have you ever heard? God said to Mo, and Moses is saying, have you ever heard in your life from, ask, go ahead and ask it, pastor, from one side of heaven to the other. And he can't grow this church into a hundred. This church can't grow into two hundred. We had a hundred and eight today. Somebody jump to your feet and just shout a hundred and eight, a hundred and eight, a hundred and eight, a hundred and eight, one oh eight, one oh eight, one oh eight. Who do we appreciate? Let me see it. Just when we feel or think or even believe that God can't, allow me the liberty, if you don't mind, to remind us what happened on that Red Sea night. Exodus 14, God told Moses in verse 16, Lift up thy rod and stretch thy hand out over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on what kind of ground? Dry ground through the midst of the sea. Verse 22, And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them, even all of Pharaoh's horses and his chariots. And it came to pass that in the morning, watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians, and he troubled the host of the Egyptians. Watch this. In verse 25, and he took off the chariot wheels. That drave, and they drave heavily. In March of 2021, visiting my father in Flint, Michigan, parked my GMC pickup out behind Hampton Inn. Come out the next morning, and I looked out at this vehicle, and I'm saying, And it's like my truck was a long way off. And all four wheels and tires were gone. They had landscape rocks underneath the frame of my truck. And the police officer told us that what they did is they put those rocks under there. And then they just popped the valve cores out. And the truck settles on the rock. And he said in less than three minutes, they had all those off and they were out of this parking lot. 
kind of what God did. Oh, he didn't put them on landscaping rocks. He put them in the muck and the mire of the Red Sea. <laughs> he took them all. Think about how super fast, how quick God must work to take off all of those wheels of the chariot. And you think he can't heal you of cancer? You think he can't cure your diabetes? You think he can't solve your marriage problem or your rebellious teenage problem? And you think he can't rescue a city called Huntington, Indiana? Just when we think God can't. The Lord said in Luke 18, He said, Shall not the Lord avenge His elect which cry day and night unto Him? Keep praying, Saint of God. Keep praying, Mama. Keep praying, Daddy. God's bringing your backslider home. God's bringing your child home. God's bringing your boss to church. God's bringing your boss's wife to church. He's bringing your school teacher to church. I tell you, He will avenge them speedily. You can be seated. Verse 28 of Exodus 14. And the water returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, all the host of Pharaoh. And there remained not so much as one of them. Not so much as one of them. Verse 29. But the children of Israel, he reminds them one more time. Ask from one side of heaven. There's never been anything like children of Israel or anybody else walking through the middle of a sea on dry ground. It wasn't muddy. It wasn't mucky. It wasn't squishy. It was dry ground. When God's word says dry, it means dry. I believe it was maybe a tad dusty. God said, go ahead and ask about it. From one side of heaven to the other side of heaven. <laughs> listen, listen to a snippet, if you don't mind, from Moses. You see, they wrote a song in, in chapter 15. Miriam played the tambourine along with some other women. But listen to a snippet of Moses and Israel's song after the deliverance. Verse 8 of chapter 15. That's all we're going to read. And the Bible says, they're singing. And with the blast of thy nostril, the waters gather together. I don't know how it went. Get this, folks. With the blast of his nostrils. I almost said something politically incorrect right there. We used to have a name. When you'd hold one nostril. Women don't do that, I don't think. No, I'm certain ladies don't do that. Women might, but ladies don't do that. Males do that. Maybe men don't do that. Politicians don't know how. But anyway, they... they to the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood, flood stood upright as a heap. And the depths, the water supply source, mud, they were congealed in the heart of the, of the earth. i got to move on. Then for 40 years, this is just the beginning. Then for 40 years, according to our text in Deuteronomy 2, listen to what took place mathematically speaking. According to this army quartermaster, he says to feed Israel every day would require 1,500 tons or three million pounds of food a day which will require two freight trains one mile long every single day for 40 years just when you think God can't take care of your little situation listen to this then they would need 4,000 tons of firewood each day to cook that food for 40 years 
This would require a few more freight trains a mile long to bring the wood to Israel because they were in a desert place. There's no wood out there just for cooking every single day. Not talking about staying warm at night or keeping the animals away. Besides, remember, because they were in a desert place, there was no water. This would take 11 million gallons of water. Everybody say 11 million. Now, if you was in Alabama, we'd say 11. 11 million gallons of water. Sister Nancy from Indiana herself, just about getting to say we're at 11 million. Just about. 11, you ain't quite there. 11 million gallons of water every single day just to have enough to drink and just to have enough to wash the dishes. We're not talking about baths or showers or spit. No, no, no. It would have required a freight train. Listen to me. A freight train with tank cars 1,800 miles long just to bring those 11 million gallons uh, just when you think God can't. The campground needs for, for setting up the tabernacle and the dwelling places. This would require an area 2,000 two-thirds the size of the state of Rhode Island, which I know is not a big state, but you got three million people and you got to get them housed. You got to have a place for the, for the tabernacle and the church and the dwelling places. Uh, it would require 750 square miles of space and you got to do this every time you camp for some 40 years. Never staying too long in one place. Israel really got to thinking. They really got to feeling. They really got to believing that God couldn't take care of their daily needs. Uh, that's why they kept turning to other gods uh, and other and other prophets. That's why they kept murmuring and deriding him and complaining. But just when they thought God couldn't do it, then God comes through every single day. He brings manna from heaven, daily bread from heaven. It tasted like what, pastor? It tasted like honey. Everybody shout honey. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, it tastes like honey in the rock. He was giving them an earnest uh, of their promised land inheritance. Uh, Y'all can break it up now. Sorry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Folks, God has already spoken to us. He's already spoken to this church specifically. He's spoken to every single one of us through the bap. You hear me through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He told you, I can do anything. And just when they think God can't, the scoffers say, where's the sign of his coming? I'll show you a sign. Look at the stupidity going on in our country right now. It's graduated from ignorance, which means you don't know, to dumbness, which means you don't know and you don't know, and stupidity, which means you don't know and you don't want to know. They all drank from that spiritual rock that, listen to this. Now, this is the Bible, but you can believe most of the time. The bad, get down, grungy parts, you better believe all the time. You better believe it from Genesis 1, 1 to Genesis 22. You better believe it all, all the time. You better hide it in your heart uh, that you won't be crazy enough to say, well, I just don't think or feel or believe God can. 
Sir, I believe God can save you. Ma'am, I believe He can save you. Young man, I think He can change the course of your life. In less than a heartbeat. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Come on, let's praise Him right now. I'll say it again. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask. We're just not asking large enough. We're not thinking big enough. Matthew 8 and 1. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, he came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand to a man that was supposed to be 300 feet away and he was supposed to be screaming unclean but just when you think God can't God manifest in the flesh reached down and touched the unclean man it would be kind of like AIDS in our world today only or put the mask on and take a vaccine whatever crazy reason we wore those things and whatever crazy reason people would take vaccines and you know something's never been tested on anything and we're just going to shoot it in our body and act like it's going to solve us and i read about one county that 90 percent of the deaths in that county were happening to people that had two vaccinations in their body oh he's preaching his vaccine no i'm not I'm just telling you, just when you think God can't. I have a 93-year-old dad and a 74-year-old brother that have not stopped going to restaurants. Now, they would wash their hands. I do that when it's not COVID. And they would go out to eat, and they would go, and they kept going. And they got one of those governors up in there in that state of Michigan. And, and boy, they just kept on going. My dad has not got COVID yet. He's 93. My brother's 74. Neither one of them. I think he's got a touch of it one time. I don't know if he did or not. But, he, you know, folks, I'm telling you something. Just if you'll put your faith in God, the impossible becomes possible every single time. <sighs> I think we need to lift our hands and our voice and just shout a shout of victory. I know God can. I believe God will. God can and God will make a way. You can be seated. Let me tell you a story that I know for a fact. When butchers of people just thought God I was born in Flint, Michigan. was raised there. You've heard the story. My blood's all southern Arkansas, Mississippi. That's where my parents were born. They moved north in the early 50s to work in the auto industry. They built a life there and raised three boys there. The older brother lives there. The brother just older than I, Terry Wilbanks, part of the Terry Wilbanks Singers. They travel all the country singing. My dad and brother still live in Flint. I was raised religiously in a church called South Flint Tabernacle. In 1967, the founding pastor died. They went a year without a pastor. 
Then that year later, they voted in the associate pastor. And then a year later, they vote him out. They got petitions to vote him out. This is a church of 400 people. In the 50s, this church was five, maybe pushing 600 people. But it was a strong church of four and 500 people continuously. There was very few services that every chair in the place was not full. Withered arms were healed. Short legs were stretched out. People come in on a hospital bed and walked out. Many miracles, signs, and wonders were continued. And the, the church was built on the Word of God, upon worship to God. Powerful church. I'm telling you, it was a powerful church. And, 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 and but then from 1969 to 1973, the church went through utter chaos. I mean, utter chaos. Where the police force was called out more than one time. The locks on the door were changed five times in one year. Fights would come right nearly to breaking out. I remember my brother and I, we was lost as March hares, lost as a goose in the wind, doing things we shouldn't have been doing and going play. It was just, it was just horrendous. There was no leadership. There was no pastoral leadership. There was no any kind of leadership. It was, it was a ship without a rudder. It was a ship without a captain. And, and, and they, others had kind of taken over the power and they, it, it, it was, it was useless leadership. It wasn't even leadership. Remember my brother and I, sometimes we didn't go very often. And for some reason, our dad, who was a stickler on us being in the house of God, for some reason, I guess he thought, you know, he didn't think better than be out doing what they're doing. But we, we went one night, I went to church. I don't remember my brother going with me, but I went. And in that service, there was two piano players, one piano, one organ, two organ players. Not just in the same service. Same song. And they weren't playing in harmony. At that time, there was probably about... That particular service was like in March or April of 1973. So there weren't very many people there at that time. I watched as the church went from like 350 down to about 150 or so in less than... Three years time about a two and a half year time it went down so it's gone from 500 to 350 down to maybe 150 if they were lucky and then pardon my expression then the bad faction left this is now the third split of this church of five four hundred in less than a four-year time frame you don't spend your teenage years of 13 to 17 in that type of unsuccessful God-can't atmosphere. It don't work real well for that teenager. Thank God for a thriving Pentecostal apostolic church in Huntington that believes in worshiping God. That believes in praying to the one true and living God. That practices in Jesus' name. Give yourself a hand clap of appreciation. Would you do it? Give your brothers and sisters a hand applause. Thank God for worshiping people. So in late 1969 through 1973, 73, this thing unravels. 
They voted in a new man called Nathaniel Wilson. His first Sunday was August 1973. Many people had ill-spoken of South Flint Tabernacle as a slain entity, as a has-been. They used a biblical name. I think I touched it this morning or yesterday. The name they put on South Flint Tabernacle. They even told my bishop, Brother Nathaniel Wilson, several of his friends said, Nate, that's what they call him, you can't go there. Ichabod is written over the door. And they were serious in the spirit. They weren't making fun. They weren't being critical. That was the news that was on the street. Which means the glory of God has departed. What would you say if you'd lived in those days and you saw a church of 500 go down to 100 in less than three years' time? You would say, God can't. But on that first Sunday in August of 19, or that last Sunday of August 1973, Brother Wilson's first Sunday there, I didn't go. I didn't end up getting the Holy Ghost for another month, the last Sunday in September. But from that first Sunday, there was a hundred people in church on that first Sunday. God took those small ashes, just an ear and a leg of a lamb. Job said, leave the stump, because at the scent of water, it'll come alive. I said it'll come alive. God took this church called Ichabod, and He raised it from the ashes of ruin. He raised up a violent for the kingdom of God church, for His glory that is still producing revival results all around this world today, which I and my brother were early recipients of the glory of God descending on that place. From that last Sunday of August, when a hundred people showed up from church, to the first Sunday in March 1974, six short months, the church went from a hundred the first Sunday to 404, six months later. Just when people were saying, God can't, sister pastor's wife, God said. Hey, devil, I can hear God saying, watch this, buddy. I'll show you something. And he raised up the bishop of this church myself, the pastor of your pastor myself. as well as the head of a missionary group over behind what it used to be the Iron Curtain. And he's there still leading revival to this day, along with no telling how many hundreds of preachers and missionary preachers' wives that are out today. We just met a bunch of young people from the, from the youth group that I was a part of that came out of the church uh, after I had left. And, and Brother Henson was a pastor. Brother Wilson had gone on and was in Sacramento. But, the, but I think, how many do we count, sister? Nancy, five, five young people out of the youth group that I was a youth pastor of, five, and they're pastoring now today, them and their wives. Uh, they're pastoring churches of two and three hundred, and they're growing by leaps and bounds. Brother Art Wilson is a pastor of Romulus, Michigan, and he has, he, he has an office. Uh,
Folks, just when the world says God can't, just when backsliders say God can't, just when negative Naboth preachers say God can't, I call them all unbelieving liars because God still can. Oh, we need to worship Him with thunder. You can be seated. That church went from averaging about 100 to 120. And six years later in 1979, that church was averaging 700. Six years. Six years. In those years, God called me out of darkness into the marvelous light. Four months later, I became a part of a new team starting a bus route. We already had two going. And then for the next five years, I run a bus route. I was a captain. We would have anywhere from 70 to 80 to 90 kids on our bus every single Saturday. One Easter Sunday, we had 142 people in a church service just from our one bus route. Remember, we had nine other bus routes going on. We had over a thousand people on Easter Sunday, two years, no, a year and a half after Brother Wilson came to Flint. Over a thousand on Easter Sunday. The devil said no. Ichabod is over the door. A lot of people were hoping and they were praying. I'm talking about supposed brothers and sisters of the Lord. They wanted it to go down. They wanted it to die. But God said no. I'm not finished with them yet. I'm not through with that church yet. I've got a host of preachers and preachers' wives. And, 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 and today, in, 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 in the church in Flint, Michigan, a church called More Life Tabernacle, there are over 40, 41, 42 people living for God today. Them and now their children and now their grandchildren are coming to the Lord. I quit running the bus route in 1979 to take over full time youth pastor and folks they're in church today and I said that yesterday. I'm telling you we taught Bible studies and watch people come in. Folks God can. God can. God can. You're not hearing me. God can. God can. Sister baby, I was singing when they were singing, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. I was singing, get up, get up, Joel, out of that grave. Get up, get up, Jason, out of that grave. Get up, get up, Ashley, out of that grave. Get up, get up, Taylor, out of that grave. Hey, do it with me. Somebody, right now, right now, take about 10 seconds. Just keep, keep the buzz going. Think of a backslider. Think of a backslider. Think of a backslider. And let's start singing it. Get up, get up, get up. Jason out of your grave. Get up, get up, get up. Joel out of your grave. Sing it. Clap your hands now to the Lord. Just when you think God can't, God will do it again. Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Let me close. <laughs> Therefore, 
Genesis 18, Brother Strand. Therefore, Sarah laughed <laughs> within herself. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> hey, what an angel said to my hubby, who's dead in his body. And angels, <laughs> I won't call him ignorant, but he's right nigh unto. She didn't say that. I made that up. He can't have kids. <laughs> and look how old he <laughs> And the angel said, Wherefore didn't thou laugh? I, I, I didn't laugh. last part of Sarah's name is really Sarah Abraham and it really means to laugh Abraham and guess what they named their kid Isaiah and we sing and shout hallelujah but we don't mean it because we just got to the place we just don't think God Brother, I haven't met you officially as far as names. Maybe we did, and I forgot. But I'm allowed to forget because I'm over 60. And don't forget, I'm allowed to repeat myself, repeat myself, repeat myself three times in one sentence because I'm over 65. I can't help it. I'm on Medicare. After I'm waxed old, she said, shall I have pleasure in my Lord being so old? There ain't going to be no baby boy happening around here. Just when Sarah thought God came. The Lord said, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Shall I have a surety bear a child which I'm old? And he said this famous statement, which I've said at least twice tonight. Is anything too hard for God? I don't use this word very much when I'm preaching. I, I'm not sure I like it in a pulpit. I like the word encourage. Let me encourage you. But let me tighten the screws, not on you. The old book says... The Lord speaking through Isaiah. Concerning, this is God speaking, concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. In just a second, when I get through explaining myself, I want you to close your eyes. But I want you to think of something that you thought of before, that you were all but certain God would not do. I don't lie to yourself. That's deceit. That's the only thing worse than demonic or devilish deceit is when you deceive yourself. And maybe you haven't God ever had a thought like it. And that's okay. Just close your eyes now and think about it. We're fixing to pray. Sarah? Not me. I'm going on a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> 
My hubby's already there. God, 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 God can't. God can't do it. God can't give us a new church building. God, God, really, Pastor? Really? At home tonight, just leave your eyes closed. At home tonight, there's a guest minister there. He spoke to my pastor, which is my older son, about a month and a half ago and said, I need to come because God wants your building to be paid off in two years. Pastor, his name is Jeremy Wilbanks. He, he invited another minister about two or three weeks after that. And he came. He comes into the office when the first thing he says to my, and they're good friends, they're good buds. And he didn't know anything about what happened at Olympus. And he came and said, I don't know. Brother Jeremy said, I, I just keep seeing two years. I keep hearing two years, two years, two years. I believe in two years your building's going to be paid off. And he took up a special offering at night, not on purpose. It wasn't planned. It was just, and he's not that type of a person at all. He was nervous doing it, but just bam, in less than 10 minutes. It was several thousand dollars brought. Unprepared, but tonight I'm gonna tell on myself, Sister Brittany. Don't you make fun of me now? When we borrowed the money, we went from about maybe three thousand dollars a month overhead because the building was paid off, had been for several years, to over twenty thousand dollars a month. In one month's time. <laughs> Doing a little Sarah imitation. <laughs> but you know something? The Lord told us, when you move in, this building will be paid off. I would say 10, 15 different guest preachers, evangelists, missionaries, my own pastor, they kept saying it, kept saying it. And I kept saying, okay, I'm like you. I kept wondering, when's the big check coming? When's the big check coming? When's the big check coming? The big check never cometh. But you know something? Since 2008, the church has never even come close to being late. Every month, more than enough has come in. Now, we weren't able to make the big headway. But about two years ago, God reminded me, remember? I told you don't worry about it because when you move in, it's paid off. But we want it our way. We want the big check so we can party with the rest of the Lord's money. But now God's saying, okay, you need this. And I'm ready to move this church to this place. Where, where, where is it that God wants to move? No, He doesn't want you to move from this church. That's so ignorant. It's almost stupid. God's got you right where He needs you. You would be foolish. I didn't say you'd be a fool. I said you'd be foolish. God has something in store. It's beyond me. But I'm telling you. Would you step out of your place? I want you to bring your impossibility. Come on, bring it. Everybody's got an impossibility. Brother Venable, what do you think God wants to do? Come on, come on. You don't have to tell us. I just, I just want you to, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. 
I'm telling you, there's a person in this town. I'm not guessing. I'm not making it. This is unrehearsed. There's a person in this city that this church is going to reach some way, somehow. That's going to be a key to an unbounded, unfettered, unregulated, uncontrollable revival. Come on, let's pray for it. If God can produce an Isaac out of a Sarah who's dead, out of an Abraham who's dead, then God can take an Ichabod church in Flint, Michigan and raise it up. And God can take a Christian life tabernacle. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Go ahead and sing. Here we go. Come on. Your faith is soaring. Your faith is on the way. Round in the corner. Come on. Come and I don't know what you're thinking. There there don't is more on the way. I'm telling you, God help is on the way. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. God can. Oh, oh, oh. Give a love God can. God can. 